This movie's so bad, it's even making it hard to start the podcast. <laughs> to those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. Because history has shown us that courage can be contagious, and hope can take on a life of its own. I will bring you hope, and I ask only one thing in return. We move now, together. Not at all. Hope is not lost today. It is found. Hope is what keeps you going. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say no. You move. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanty Show. Lawnmower man's in your head, Skiffy and Fanty. There's no escape, ever. Oh, God. I'm Julia. I'm Paul. I'm Alex. And I'm Daniel. And today we are discussing Lawnmower Man, the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> why, why? Why does this movie have a director's cut? I don't know. This movie is ostensibly based on a Stephen King short story. And so um, I would like Alex to tell us a summary of what that short story is about. All right. So I have not read the short story myself because it sounds like it was published in a in a small magazine that it has mercifully passed into obscurity in 1975. So I think this was during Stephen King's like co-cabot years. But this is what Wikipedia has to say in summary. Um, a guy named Harold Parquette needs a lawn mowing service, and for some reason the summer before, a neighbor's cat was accidentally killed when, like, it got chased by a dog in front of the lawnmower, so that's disgusting. But anyway, he sees a van that says Pastoral Greenery, and it pulls up in front of Harold's house, and Harold is like, sure, why don't you mow my lawn? Because I need a lawn mowing service. And then he looks back, he looks outside after the guy has started cutting the grass, and he sees the lawnmower is running by itself, and the guy who was in the van is following it on all fours, naked, and eating the grass. And then the lawnmower seemingly deliberately chases and kills a mole, and that makes Harold faint because this is not normally behavior we expect from a lawnmower. So when Harold wakes back up, the, the naked lawnmower man, at least I'm assuming it's naked, he's still naked because the summary doesn't say... Um, he explains that this this is a new method of mowing lawns that his boss, Pan, has come up with, and it grants substantial benefits, and if you don't appreciate it, he makes you into a sacrificial victim. And Harold apparently doesn't appreciate this, so the lawnmower chases Harold through his living room and brutally slaughters him. I think it means the machine and not, like, the naked guy. And then the conclusion of the story is, when the police arrive to this brutal scene of lawnmower murder... They conclude that Harold was murdered and dismembered by a schizophrenic sex maniac. And as they leave, the scent of freshly cut grass hangs strongly in the air. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that is the gem of a short story that this movie takes its title from. Yes. I think we define gem differently. Daniel, would you please summarize the movie that we had the great misfortune of watching? Okay, so here we go. This movie stars GoldenEye James Bond, and he's playing a scientist, doctor, that's, I think he's doing research on chimps originally, giving them drugs, 
giving them virtual reality, and training them to be smart, efficient soldiers, because, of course, all funding, you really have to get funding from the government and the military. But for some reason, training soldiers involves putting chimpanzees into this virtual reality and having them shoot at Donkey Kong. Uh, but really, the scientist, uh, James Bond, just wants to develop the VR as a means of humans taking the next step in evolution. I think that's it, at least. It doesn't really make much biological sense. Anyway, the chip gets really pissed off because, you know, all the drugs and the virtual reality. So he uses his skills, his mad skills, to grab a gun, escape, and flee the military facility. And during this, of course, all the military people are there, but they're about as trained as Imperial stormtroopers. So they're shooting, but only graze the the chimpanzee. (laughs) So chimpanzee is on the lam. He's smart. He's got a gun. He's got this VR kind of headset. So he decides... I'm going to go to a church. So he sees a church and he wants to go there, but instead he goes into the shed that's next to the church where he meets that guy from Dumb and Dumber who's not Jim Carrey. At least he looks a lot like him. I mean, they do have the same haircut. Yes. So he's Jeff Daniels, I think, in the Dumb and Dumber movies, but apparently back then he was going as Jeff Fahey, a a slightly different name. And this character has sort of intellectual disabilities, um, still has the mind of a child. So he sees this smart killer chimpanzee and thinks that it's actually his comic book hero. And so he's trying to hide the chimpanzee, but then James Bond shows up with all the military people. But James Bond, he wants to get the chimp back alive because he wants to keep doing these experiments. But the men with the guns, they have guns, and they're like, well, we got to use these things. So they shoot, and the chimpanzees are really close range, but eventually enough of them fire enough rounds to actually manage to hit the chimp. So... After all of this, James Bond is out of a chimp. Uh, he mopes around for a while. He ignores his wife. Um, he takes a shirt off and chugs some whiskey until eventually he comes to the conclusion, well, hey, I don't have a chimp anymore, but I have this, um, you know, intellectually disabled lawnmower man guy. And oh, yeah, I didn't mention that. I guess this this guy, he's sort of a handyman around town. He works at the church and he does people's lawns because he's really good at lawns, apparently. Um, so James Bond decides, I'm going to just experiment on this guy instead. Only this time I won't include the aggressive training, and I'm sure the military will be fine with me just ignoring that. And, of course, this is going to go well. But it doesn't. Spoiler. That's Okay, so this this is like basically the first act of the movie that you've described. So we're going to go for the whole thing, because we spoil everything, and honestly, no one should ever have to watch this film. Goodness no. No, others others really need to feel the no, pain. That no, this, um, no one needs to subject themselves to this. You're so nice. So to, to pick up where you left off, Job, the lawnmower kid, is uh, he's living as a ward of the church and has since he was five, and the priest is super abusive to him. The priest's brother, Terry, is kind of nicer to him and is the one who encourages him to be a really good lawnmower. The professor who is doing the experiments is Dr. Angelo. So that's an angel. So we have some angel and we have Job. Just going to leave that out there for you. Uh, And so there's all this religious nonsense symbolism going on in this movie. Dr. Angelo lives next door to one Harold Parquette. You may remember that name as the man who ran the uh, short story lawnmower man slaughter times he's an abusive terrible person who abuses his little son who 
for some reason, all the children in this town are actually friends with Job. So this, the son and Job are friends and, uh, Peter, Peter, right. And Harold is abusive towards Peter and his wife. Dr. Angelo kind of has a thing for Harold's wife, although he's already married. This kind of goes on. Then there's also a rich widow who's super hot and also a town bully who works at the gas station named Jake. All of this is necessary to know because as Angelo starts experimenting on Job, he increases his intelligence and Job stops having the mind of a six-year-old, at which point he realizes that the super rich widow who is hot is into him because he's very physically fit from mowing all these lawns. And also he's into her because he no longer has the mind of a six-year-old. So they have a lot of the sex. And then he starts to develop telepathy and realizes that like she has some weird freaky sex kink fantasies. So why doesn't he take her into virtual reality and enact them? This backfires because virtual reality is too much for her feeble mind and she goes insane. And this upsets Job, but also he kills Jake and the father who's abusive and Harold who's abusive. And then in the big climax of this, he also actually literally crucifies Dr. Angelo, but eventually lets him go because Peter comes looking for him and he still likes Peter, the little boy. So he lets Dr. Angelo and Peter go and he tells everyone or he tells Dr. Angelo that like he needs to upload himself singularity style. And when he does, he'll like start to correct all the bad things in the world and all the bad ways that people think. And you'll know that he's back because every telephone in the world will ring at the same time. So Peter and Dr. Angelo escape. Uh, something has happened to Dr. Angelo's wife that I think is due to Job being super powered and manipulating her mind. And in the end, we see that Dr. Angelo and Peter's mom have gotten together in their nice family unit. But suddenly, every phone in the world rings at once, even though they thought that Job was destroyed when the building blew up after they escaped. The end. Very good. Yeah, yeah, like, and he, I forgot, like, he develops, like, pyrokinesis, so he, like, burns people alive and does other amazing things. And a god complex. You did miss one major character, though. Who? Pierce Brosnan's chest hair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know what I just realized? Um, we haven't talked about what we're drinking. Yeah, that is totally next up. What are we drinking, guys? Because we know we have to be drinking something to talk about this, right? Yeah, holy crap. Alex, you want to go first? Oh, yeah, sure, I can go first. Um, I made myself a cup of hot chocolate... And then I put a little bit of half and half in it because that's nice and decadent. And then a healthy helping of coffee liqueur. Nice. Yeah, it's tasty. It's it's making me feel better about having to watch this interminable movie. It's just... Ugh. What about you, Paul? I need some comfort and joy in my life after watching this movie just several hours ago. So I have a, so I have a Sprecher root beer. Sprecher is made in Wisconsin. It's a... Nice craft root beer you can get around these parts, and it brings me comfort and joy. Skiffy and Fanti, brought to you by Sprecher. <laughs> well, if they wanted, if Sprecher wanted to send me merchandise, I would not say no. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> what about you, Daniel? 
in honor of today's movie, I'm drinking whiskey. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a mixture, a concoction that I made up. It's 50% Crown Royal Black and 50% Crown Royal Maple because they're Canadian. So of course they got to put maple in some things. And so the maple on its own is just way too sweet for me. And so I cut it with the black and I call that the dark maple. Nice. Very nice. And you, Julia? I have a uh, big mug of herbal tea because I need to hydrate and a smaller glass of red wine because I absolutely need an alcohol drink for this movie. (laughs) I have to say, though, Daniel, you know, drinking that whiskey isn't going to help with your depression. (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. That's that's a callback to the movie. I don't think he says anything. He just like keeps downing it. <laughs> it's like his wife says this to him when he's like in in mopey no shirt all the chest hair in the world whiskey drinking time okay this movie guys oh this movie stephen king actually successfully sued the creators of this movie for using his name on it because originally it was going to be stephen king's lawnmower man and he was like this has literally nothing to do with my story and the court agreed And then he sued them a second time when it came out on home video, and they tried to do it again. He won both times. Persistence does not pay off. But but it does have one thing, because the guy dies by the same lawn mowing reason that in both the movie and the story. So obviously they're identical. And the company is the same too, I think. The name of the lawn mowing company. I mean, they're totally a lawn mower. (laughs) Big Red! Is it Big Red in the story, I wonder? Yes. Yeah, Big Red's the story, too. There's definitely grass in both the story and the movie. And the grass grows preternaturally in the movie, and I guess if Pan is doing this, I guess it's growing preternaturally in the story as well. (laughs) It's possible. (laughs) Stephen King's stories often have characters that are just total asses to each other. A lot of the evil in Stephen King's stories are just from humans just being absolutely nasty people. And so this does share with Stephen King's oeuvre, I guess you'd say, in that regard of like all the bullies that the way they treat the the father, that the Catholic priest that um, is abusive to Job. Uh, so in that vein, there's some similarity to Stephen King, at least in spirit. Yeah, I mean, I actually did not realize, you know, I, I spent most of the time watching it until I actually looked up the like what what is the original story about going this seems like a Stephen King movie in the sense of that it's bad and every person is terrible and I don't like any of the characters Mm -hmm. and like there's some weird sex thing going on. Like, sure. (laughs) Oh, the weird VR sex. Oh, God. That was was sure something. Oh, God. Okay, so we're supposed to have likes and dislikes. I I have whiskey. uh, What are we going to start with here, guys? Are we going to start with likes? Because they're harder. Yeah, that, that'll be the harder part. Okay, who wants to go first? You know what, I will totally go first. Do it, Alex. I have a, I have a good li- like that no one's going to have been able to steal anyway. So, what I like about this movie is, you know how there's all the CGI in it, and yes, looking at it today, it's really terrible CGI. This movie came out in 1992, and it actually has not anything necessarily to do with the movie itself. But back in the early 90s, There was this series of um, videos that were basically released to showcase the developments in computer-generated graphics. And they were called um, The Mind's Eye, and then Beyond the Mind's Eye, and then Journey into the Mind's Eye, and then I think Odyssey into the Mind's Eye was the last one. And it was all these, like, 
computer graphics from very disparate sources and edited them together to give them different like storylines or themes and set them to music. And so my first encounter with a lot of the graphics from this movie was in the Beyond the Mind's Eye video. And in that context, they were actually really super cool. And there was like some cool music going on. And I was also like 13 or 14 years old. So, you know, I wasn't that discerning in taste. But like, I have really positive memories of that, like hanging out with my family and watching that stuff. And that's my like. That's nice. All right. That works. I mean, I mean, yes, the graphics look painful by our standards here, but at that time they were cutting edge. Look, look at what CGI can do. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is a movie of its time and moment. And I, so I purposely did not, wasn't going to pick that as a dislike because I had to remember, yeah, back then this is bleeding edge kind of stuff. And I had not realized that they were also came out of these videos that you saw, Alex, but that makes me total sense. I mean, what I'm guessing is that the labs that were doing the graphics were submitting clips to these projects. Though I, I will also note that that for all that, you know, we're being very gentle about the graphics, there is actually the part where the, the priest gets CGI set on fire where you're just like, <laughs> oh. why didn't you just fucking use practical effects for this? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so positive memory that has nothing to do with this terrible movie because it's not like my mom would have let me watch it at that age anyway. Bless her. <laughs> okay, Daniel? I had a very hard time coming up with a really good, strong like for this one. There are many things I didn't hate about it. And so one of those I would say is the acting. Overall, compared to something like Krampus or to something that you'd have on Mystery Science Theater, the acting was like genius. But it wasn't tremendous either so it didn't suck otherwise the only thing that i really liked is it gave me an excuse to uh have whiskey given all the featuring of whiskey that was going on in the movie i really like that so your like is that the acting isn't the worst acting you've seen in a torture cinema movie pretty much and it made you want to drink whiskey no my like is that the movie featured whiskey, and I do like whiskey. And so I saw that, and I thought, well, now I have something to drink during the uh, Torture Cinema podcast. And that, that made me happy. I like that. So, But that's the best I could come up with. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'm going to let it stand. My experience of watching this was Moss, Moss had to watch it with me, and we were like, if we're going to watch this, we're going to definitely need drinks. So we had gin and tonics, and I was so angry about having to watch this movie that I couldn't even drink my gin and tonic. I was just like, I'm too angry to drink right now. It's not going to happen. So I'm glad that the whiskey worked out for you. Yes. <laughs> so, Paul, what's your like? Well, I mean, finding de- decent likes is a challenge, but my uh, my eyes lit up and a smile came across my face. Not be- not a pure Brosnan's chest hair. That's not my, that's not my, <laughs> that, that might, that might appeal to some people, but not to, not to me. I was happy when Dean Norris showed up as the director of the of the company that's basically funding Dr. Lawrence uh, Angelo's work because Dean, Dean Norris was on, of course, a bunch of things, including Breaking Bad as a DEA agent. And I kept thinking as my, my mind going, trying to connect that with this. So I was like, wait, so after he gets out of this, he decides to go into the Drug Enforcement Agency and that's how he wound up in New Mexico. That makes perfect sense to me. And I do like him as an actor, and I, and I kind of like how they kept framing his head there as we could just see his head and nothing else for 
all those scenes and you could still get an expression you could still see his expressions you could see see him trying to act given those very limited uh strictures and the one scene where he's in the office and he's basically brushing off Angelo Angelo and his handler and just doing business around him. I mean, there was a real interesting air about the character. I mean, I didn't really care for Job. I hated the I hated the priest. hated hated a lot of the other characters. But I liked the director because I mean, he, he was what he was on the tin, and he's just doing his business and trying to make money. And I mean, he never even does anything. He tells other people to get things done, but he never actually pulls any triggers himself and also i just had to find a read to like it's like hey breaking <laughs> bread character i can i can go with that so he's in total recall as well but i don't remember the character i think i think it that was very early in his career yeah he's been in a bunch of stuff so and j- genre stuff he was in uh um he was in starship troopers he was in gattaca so he's he's been around the genre world quite a bit actually doing bit parts here and there i mean his biggest role ever was probably breaking bad so i mean otherwise he just really gets get gets bit parts so yeah so i was happy to see you know he at least got some work and tried to bring some dignity to this role and (laughs) 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 he he certainly outacted pierce brosnan's chest hair that's for sure yes (laughs) uh good good okay i really struggled hard with finding a like for this movie um but I will say that this movie was made in 1992, and that was back in the day when instead of always having lots of long CGI battle sequences, sometimes we got action that involved people running around in warehouses and really good foley picking up the sounds of their shoes on the floor, which is one of my favorite things. No, I'm serious. I talked about this before in Torture Cinema. And like every time everybody's like, it's another Sean with like the wagon guild was well represented. But no, this is legit one of the things that I would go to action movies for in the 90s. And I remember like The Rock had really good shoes on pavement. A lot of movies had really good shoes on pavement sounds or shoes on like a warehouse floor. And that kind of sound, I don't know why, it's just a really great sound and I love it. So that did happen a few times during this movie and I was like, well, at least I got to hear some shoes, which genuinely makes me legit and I'm totally sincere, happy. Uh, If you want to make me happy, good sounds of shoes on pavement. (laughs) I don't know why this is a weird thing about me. You need to watch Master Anonymous. There's some good shoes on concrete. Yeah, sound. see, I probably would totally dig that. Yeah. It's a terrible movie otherwise, but there is some... I, 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 just, get, I just need like a super cut of people running around with good shoe sounds. So does it make you feel like you're there and bring you into the action? No, it's not. It's okay, not. It's just, I just really like the sound. Because if it did, why would you want to be in this movie? No, it's also so like, <laughs> no, I don't want to be in this movie at all. Um, when I was a kid, I used to like to watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and my mom was always like, you like this show because Mr. Rogers is so nice. And like, as an adult, I appreciate how nice Mr. Rogers is. But as a kid, the main reason I wanted to watch that show is because sometimes he would do craft projects and either like cut construction paper or like, I don't know, sometimes like open old margarine containers that are plastic or whatever. 
And the sounds of that were really well picked up <laughs> and I really liked them. And so like as a, as a tiny, tiny child, before I could even express this, I would be like watching Mr. Rogers very intently waiting for the moment of like cutting construction paper to happen. Well, that's, that's an awesome sound though. Yeah, I can see that actually now. <laughs> so it's, it's, the shoes thing is yeah. like in the same kind of thing. It's not. I don't. I don't feel like I'm in the action. I just really like the sound. So, so that's that's it. Um, the other thing, because I feel like that's so small, that I will give this movie is that uh, it reminded me very strongly of the summer after high school when I was in a production of a play that a high school classmate of mine had written that we performed at like a college theater festival. And uh, it was terrible, and everything about it was terrible. And I had this part, a character role, where I was playing this sort of, like, horrible woman who wore leopard print and hot pink lipstick. And (laughs) um, the main character, Christy, was in an asylum and escaped the asylum and went looking for her abusive mother, who it turned out had died, and my part was playing the woman who lived in the house that her mother had lived in before she died. And my role was basically to say, you're looking for your mother? The woman that used to live here before? Oh, she died. Yes, she croaked. I was directed to say it like that. Everything in this play was like overacted to the top like that. And it was gonzo plot that was ridiculous and culminated in christy finally actually killing herself in the asylum which was done with a lot of blood packets that splattered all over our white wall set this gives you an idea of how bad the play was and watching this movie at several points like especially when they had scenes where like jake was being a bully and everybody was overacting all the responses i was like Man, I kind of I'm having fond memories of being in that terrible, terrible play because everyone's acting about the same level that we were acting. <laughs> so it's sort of like Alex's mind's eye rem- remembering something fondly from one's wayward youth, even when it was bad. Yeah, it's like it, it made me smile because it had nothing to do with this movie, really. <laughs> yeah, like I want to be clear, this play was terrible, but I had a great time. Like. I was in it with some friends and we performed it at a college theater festival and I'm pretty sure we all knew it was really, really bad, but we really put all of our acting into it. I, my friend Corey was an orderly in the asylum and he kept having to say things like, sedate her. She's not going to calm down. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, so yes, this movie reminded me strongly of Asylum, a terrible play I performed in high school, well, in, in the summer after high school. And that's that's a like. That's, <laughs> that's that a and like. shoes are the best <laughs> likes I have. <laughs> um, so now that we've dispensed with all the likes, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> the dislike portion. Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Alex. Oh, I, I was gonna let somebody else go first because there's just so many to choose from. I'm actually having like problems picking. <laughs> okay, so I feel like. I feel like, how, how long have we actually been doing this? We've been doing this for 30 minutes. We got a little time. Uh, let's do a rapid fire here and just uh, throw out one of your likes. Everybody everybody, go and we'll kind of see if maybe we can get through two dislikes a piece or at least have a general bitching session afterwards because I feel like there are so many. There are just so many. So I'll start with a very general one and I'll give like a couple of specific examples. 
So the characterization just pissed me off the most, I guess. The lack of character arcs that I saw, or the absence of them that I saw, from the secondary characters to the to the main primary characters, some of that fits into the idea of just stereotypes. So many of the characters were utterly useless. Um, many people can talk about the horrible treatment I think that women were given in this movie, uh, particularly uh, Pierce Brosnan's wife, in terms of being a character unto her own. Uh, wait, wait, wait. She was a character? Yeah, what character? Yeah, well, okay, that, that was being generous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I in, in the loosest possible <laughs> sense. Yes, loosest, as in a, a, a name that appears within the credits of, of this film. And film I'm using loosely, too. The priest, the boy, they're just, they were just stereotypes. I'm, I'm so tired in movies of seeing the abusive religious figure, particularly, I'm not Catholic, but the, the abusive Catholic priest. It just becomes like the standard go-to, and it, it's just not interesting, particularly if you're not going to do anything with it, of, of substance. And so much of this movie, the characters, nothing was done of any substance with the characterizations that they did have. Even Pierce Brosnan was, you know, he had this dilemma where he wanted to do the science, the research, but he was a pacifist, and he was worried about what the military was doing. They never really went that deep into that. And really delved into that or explained why he was just so focused on the science above all those other things and concerns that he had. It just, you know, he'll sit there without a shirt, drink, and, and ignore his wife, and you just accept that that's what it is, even when she's trying to talk to him. Um, so, yeah, that's in general. Daniel, that's how science works. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, because I'm a yes. professional scientist. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> apparently i need to start doing that with my bacteria just ignore the students all the time just you need to like sit in your lab with your shirt off and your <laughs> yes. chest hair waving gently in the breeze <laughs> drinking whiskey damn it you don't understand what i'm trying to do here <laughs> do you think he needed a lawnmower for his chest hair <laughs> oh my god yes he did i kind of felt like he did yeah it was it was something like I mean, I know this is a weird dislike for someone to have, but since we're doing rapid fire, I'm just going to throw this out there. The amount of shirtlessness in this movie <laughs> was just, I mean, it was gratuitous. And, and and normally I'm okay with with people running around shirtless, but I'm not really that fond of Pierce Brosnan shirtless, even if he's young and, and sort of geeky well i mean and, and you can tell he's hip because he has an earring in his left ear pierce brosnan <laughs> pierce brosnan yeah yeah and actually the other thing that i noticed with with job as he spends more and more time in virtual reality and gets injected with more chemicals he actually gets more built yeah yeah well, he's not just being injected with intelligence enhancing things he's being injected with a bunch of stuff to make him into a super soldier more or less but but at first he's not i mean i mean later on they switch out they switch out the stuff i mean because pierce bros as far as i'm understanding the plot of the movie pierce brosnan just starts injecting with the intelligent enhancements which also for some reason makes him built in well and buff and then he that i'm i'm unclear that the intelligence enhancements don't also include like optimizing physical characteristics well I, I just assumed that he was keeping his his iq in his pecs <laughs> pretty pretty much 
Pretty much. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Also, as he gets more intelligent, he pushes his hair back. Um, and I think this is supposed to make him hotter. But that hair, there is no saving that hair. There's like absolutely no way that you can make that hair look good. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were basically because uh, my housemate watched this with me because I don't know. She just hates herself. But she was just like, oh, so his intelligence has progressed enough that now he knows how to comb his hair and, and use gel. Okay. But ooh, this ugh, there there's so much icky about, like, the entire plot line right there that, that cannot necessarily be treated properly in a rapid fire round. Yeah. And, like, to Daniel's point on the characterization, it's true. There is just no useful, meaningful character arc in this movie. There are a couple places where you can see the kind of potential. There is... Uh, the fact that Terry is the brother of the priest and has sympathy for Job that is set up so that there could be sort of like a conflict and tension where like, what is Terry's relationship to the father because they're brothers and, you know, maybe he doesn't approve of what the father is doing and being abusive, but he doesn't know how to deal with it. It just never gets explored. Um, so there's like potential for emotional depth there that doesn't exist. And there's potential... They're obviously trying to make you care when uh, Job accidentally insanifies his girlfriend, but it doesn't, it doesn't actually, like, I certainly didn't care at that point that she was no, no longer with us in, in our uh, logical world where we have rational thought. And she had checked out and gone to the laughing world where all you do is laugh at nothing all day. As as one does in virtual reality, that is my understanding of how it works. It breaks your brain, and then you laugh all the all the time, all the time, all the time. It's a fact. Cyber sex is dangerous, kids. Don't do it. <laughs> want a cyber? No, no, I don't want to go insane. There was a line early in the movies, like like flying, floating. What's next? Fucking and well, right? well that's what we got. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So. I will rapid fire dislike something and I kind of can forgive it somewhat because at the time, I don't think that everyone was as aware of how bad this was as we are now. And it was pretty much still a word that we used a lot, but it used the R word all the time. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, that was just really painful to have to listen to when talking about Job. Like everybody was like that R kid. And I was like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Jump into the rapid, it's like falling off that. I mean, the whole idea how this movie treats people with uh, mental challenges is absolutely horrendous. And it doesn't know what it's doing. I mean, he's listed as having an IQ of 45, and that's like patently impossible for someone who wouldn't be bedridden all day. And just like, how, how, how does this, how, how does he actually function with this, with so many people in this town actively came? The priest is abusive to him. The, the town bully uh, torments him. It's like, I mean, I mean, Terry's the only one. Terry and the doctor are the only ones, and uh, and the kids are the only ones who have any sort of sympathy for him at all until he starts getting intelligence, and then the hot widow who he kills with cybersex uh, takes an interest in him. But other than that, she stares at him before he's just too unaware to notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is also creepy in a different way. I mean, I want to want to hope and say that this movie is trying to be sex positive and like women can have se sexual thoughts and ideas and I of their own. But yeah, this movie is not the vehicle for to exploring that sort of thing. 
And they even try to start exploring at one point, if I remember correctly, where that somebody calls the widow like a whore or something along those lines, a slut, uses some derogatory term to describe her. And they say like, oh, she she has money. She's not doing this for that. Or, she's doing it for fun. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing it for fun. And so they it's kind of like this half-assed kind of giving some independence to her, but not really following through with that in any meaningful way. Yeah. Only to have her yeah. die of cyber sucks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, you guys, why? 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 And, like, going back to Pierce Brosnan's wife, like, she has the potential to have a care. She does tell him, like, drinking whiskey is not going to help you feel less depressed, which is a legit sentiment. Like, he's depressed because he's been told by the government to take a break and not do more research. Uh, after they kill the chimp and he is sad because he still just wants to do research so he's drinking whiskey and she's like that's not gonna help with your depression which is legit um but like she should have more character than she does based on like the things that she actually says it's just that we don't really get to see her very much and everything in the movie tells us not to like her and that we should ignore her and then in the end she gets kind of like stepford wife out of things yeah by job like suddenly job decided he's just a like a gross misogynistic person i guess it, it uses as a, as a living weapon and not even caring about well he evolved alex from having the mentality of a six-year-old to having the mentality of a gamer gator <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that is so true I mean, this is like, because I was watching that, like, that scene where she's downstairs and she's talking with him about, oh, you were supposed to take me to the city. And he says, no, I'm sorry. And I mean, she's getting upset. And then, then she suddenly switches into romantic mode and it's just, oh, let's go to the hotel. And it's, I mean, she goes to like 10 different characterizations and spends space to find It's just like, what, what, what is your character and how, what is your relationship with him? And, and then she yells at him about playing video games and how virtual reality isn't real. Um, yeah. And I think we're not supposed to like her because of that. But man, given everything I've seen in this movie, I don't I don't want to have anything to do with virtual reality. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it really bothers me that, like, obviously the movie is trying to have you on Pierce Brosnan's side and is, is trying to be like, look at this woman. She's such a shrill harpy. And you're just like, everything she's saying is actually super reasonable. Like... Hey, you keep breaking promises to me, and I don't like that. Hey, I don't like you smoking in bread and just bad. Yeah. like and like, hey, you're doing illegal things and researching on people who can't legally give consent. It's completely immoral to do that, and also the government hasn't authorized that, right? <laughs> and, and the movie is obviously like, no, look, she's such a bitch. She's so unreasonable, and you're like, what the hell? No, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, I love that Pierce Brosnan, the hero of this movie, is like, I don't have a chimp, but hey, check out that other guy, a human, who doesn't have very much intelligence. I'm sure it'll be fine to just use him. Uh-huh. Right? Oh my god, it was so gross. <laughs> so, so wrong. And I'm like, right there, like, there is no way in which I can actually want Pierce Brosnan to succeed and be, like, on his side, because he's, he's just been confirming that he is a terrible terrible human yeah i mean because it's basically like you know going back to those halcyon days of discovery when it was totally fine to experiment on the disabled 
You just need the questionable permission of the guardian. Right. And like also the the father in the church is super abusive to him and that's terrible. But Pierce Brosnan is so much better by experimenting on him. Yeah. No. Yeah, and lying and whatnot to keep him there for weeks on end. It's like this is seriously screwed up ethics on his part just to get it. I mean, yeah, he might be a he might be a pacifist and hated that the government was paying him for military oper- operation, but yeah, he he was no sin. He was no angel. <laughs> We're all supposed to be upset that the government switched the the drugs and that um somehow Job is getting the aggressive drugs. And that's making him aggressive. And that's the thing we're supposed to be upset about, not the fact that Pierce Brosnan is doing completely unethical experimentation on someone who doesn't actually consent. <laughs> like, <laughs> But he, I mean, they, they, they even go through the weird motions about uh, Pierce Brosnan asking him and trying to make sure that yeah, you want to do this and all this stuff. But he doesn't understand. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a lip read sort of, consent and it's just not kosher it's it's really not acceptable to get someone to consent to be experimented on by explaining to them that we're gonna play a game you like games right and and enlisting another child in on that scheme yeah, as well yeah <laughs> no, so like, oh yeah okay. <laughs> like there is nothing okay in what happened can we talk for a second about the vr table that they have them laying on and how weird that is and reminds me of something that should be in george clooney's basement and burn after reading oh god (laughs) my god well i mean i just love that that it's so they can play a game where they're basically your your avatar is like the front end of a spaceship with like a butt and legs (laughs) hanging out of it (laughs) yeah honestly though i don't think the they were trying to the filmmakers or the writers were trying to make Pierce Brosnan into any kind of hero. I think there's bits and pieces throughout the movie that are arguing that he's is a terrible person. And they're trying to sort of make a comparison between what he's doing and what the government was trying to do and showing that they're both kind of really fucked up. And part of that is that at one point, some character says to Pierce Brosnan, well, you know, you've been making changes to Job for a while here. These bad changes, if you will, in him occurred well before the aggressive sort of patches got added to the programming that they were giving to him. And the wife, I never actually saw her as being painted as being like kind of like a harpy or anything. It seemed to me just that she was the voice of reason that he was ignoring because he is just so intensely focused on his research and his goals and his selfishness. I I don't know if I'm trying to read too much into the movie, but. I mean, that's a much more generous read than I'm capable of. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really nice reading, but I feel like the movie is trying to tell us the whole time that his wife is terrible and he should really be with the very nice woman next door, who obviously is also into him and has a very nice yes, son. Yes, right. But You're right. unfortunately, there's, you know, working class abusive husband who we know is working class because he comes home with a hard hat on. I, th- I think there's a lot of conflicting messages in this movie, at least when I saw it, that's I saw a lot of conflicting things in my mind. Yeah, I, I mean, that gets into it. The other thing is classism, like the abusive guy next door is coded in the most stereotypical way possible as working class by wearing a hard hat. The bully is the guy who works at the gas station. So like all the really bad people that we see being like, 
just petty and abusively mean are working class people. And like the person we're supposed to have sympathy with is Dr. Angelo. So. So change of subject. The, the, the lawnmower in the grass and its weird capabilities. Is it me or does the lawnmower actually like just tear apart the lawn as opposed to actually cutting it nicely? Big Red just seemed to me like it was just utterly ripping holes into the lawn. It, it was not a very good lawn care device. I, I think that that's a good dislike, to be honest, if you care about the state of your lawn. It ate the grass, though. It did. did eat the grass. But again, again that goes annoying me about this whole, about it about the uh, movie's depiction of the of the mentally challenged, and he show I mean, we're we're shown uh, him as having built this thing from scratch. Apparently, it's like so he's not. He doesn't have a forty five IQ. It's like what is this? This movie just can't even decide what Job is or was capable of to begin with. And I also didn't like just as a very very side note about once he got. A high IQ decided, oh, he didn't want to read comic books anymore. I, I did not like that message at all. It's like, so comic books are books are just for kids? Great! Comic books are totally just for kids, and only stupid people will like them. Yeah, so, yeah, I, my teeth grated when, I, when that came around again. Okay, so uh, I feel like that was a good that was a good rapid fire thing. We covered a lot of things, and now we should try to do uh, one more actual dislike each, and then wrap ourselves up. So, who's got a dislike they want to dig into? I got one. Go for it, Paul. It's a plot hole that annoyed the crap out of me, especially once we got to the finale, and we we've talked about the incident, but we don't actually see what leads up to it. So, so. Our our friend Job takes takes the hot takes the hot widow to the VR center in the in the facility to have hot cyber sex. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to say, <laughs> hot cyber sex is such an overstatement of what happens yeah. in this movie. I, 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 I'm, hope, I'm hoping the listeners picked up on my sarcasm. Apparently, my, apparently my co-mates did, thought I was being serious. Listeners, it's not hot cyber sex. Honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's real. It's really more. It's really more mind rapey. So, anyway, so here's my problem with that. So, so he picks her up to take her to this secure government facility. I mean, we jump cut from him picking her, suggesting us, and then they're in the center. So, how in the world actually did he actually get her past all the guards through the facility and to that center without anybody noticing, caring? stopping or reacting to him especially given once we get to the final scene where he's coming to the facility there's a vertical platoon of people there all the time to prevent intruders at this very secure government facility that's outside of, of the town and they have it rather well guarded so how did he get her in there how why didn't anyone think to stop him i mean Maybe he used his telepathy powers to tell them all that there was nothing to see here. Move along. He didn't really have telepathy, the, the full uh, panoply of uh, psychic abilities that by that point. Well, he managed to, like, mind wipe Pierce Brosnan's wife. That was a long while after. Uh, yeah, that was after this. This th- this happens before any of that happens. So the, there is no explanation for how he was able to get her into this facility without anybody's noticing, caring, or reacting to it. it it's like, so, I, I mean, it's, it's like one of those, like, like inconsistent plot holes. So the, the facility can be just waltzed in 
when it's useful for the plot, and then it's a hard, highly built up force that has to be killed with killer CGI bees when. The bees! The bees! (laughs) Your firearms are useless against them. (laughs) So, can we, like, while we're on the subject of this facility and things that make zero sense, um, it's dark. It's completely dark all the time. And I cannot, I really cannot imagine that a government facility where they're doing, like, high tech research is going to be so dark that you can't see the research that you're doing. Like, I think that place is actually going to be full of fluorescent lights. Full of them. It is not OSHA compliant. It is not ISO compliant at all. Like, if, if I if I doing a quality audit of that place, I would have a field day with the security and with the lighting and with the layout. It is an absolute complete mess. And it just seems to have differing capabilities depending on what you have for the plot. I mean, I could go launching into the idiocy of the VR setup itself, but I, 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 which, but some one of my co-hosts might want to go for that one. But it's it's basically like okay, so there's Walton, and I was fine with that. Okay, so maybe they have lack of security, and then we see in the, le- the last scene they have a platoon there. I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's when that's when I decided, yeah, this is really not what it should be, and. I, I kept thinking as I was watching this movie of because I had just watched it a a weeks ago with the the uh, telemovie of the from the outer limits of Sand King where we have something of a similar setup we have a scientist we have a secure facility where he's working on stuff he decides to take stuff home this causes dissension between him and his family who basically move out and the project goes completely wrong. I mean, at a very super, super superficial level. But at least in that telemovie, the base that he's in is secure. It's shown to be secure, and he has he has to go through a lot of hell to try to smuggle out what he smuggles out for the show. Whereas this, it's like it's either secure or not secure, or whether we need it at that particular moment in the plot, and that really annoyed me. That's my dislike. That's a worthy dislike, I think. That is totally a worthy dislike. I, I don't know, I just keep thinking about, like, this blue neon hell that was that base, like, because, I don't know, science. Yeah, science. That's how science works. That's where science is done, Alex. Don't you know you're a scientist? It's true. I, I, that's how, that's why geologists can never actually tell what color rocks are, because with all the blue light, they all just kind of look black. <laughs> <laughs> Your secret is out. It's true. So when when we say we know what color it is, we're, we're just lying. We're like making it up. That sounds legit. <laughs> so, you know, we already have covered like how shit the characters are and how little development there is in anything. And, and a lot of the dialogue is like, are you fucking serious? But just at, at, at its most basic level, this movie is just, it's so boring. It's, you know, I was playing, I played a lot of Candy Crush during this movie, <laughs> I'll just say. Karina will appreciate it. I played some Marvel Puzzle Quest while playing, while watching this. I played a lot of Disney Magic Kingdoms, because that's my phone game addiction of choice. I eventually turned to crossword puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't. During the VR scenes, I just couldn't. I, I had to defensively play some Disney Magic Kingdoms because, uh, and this is actually my big dislike that's not about any of the rest of the content of the movie is that this movie was absolutely a migraine trigger movie so there were multiple points where i like literally could not physically look at the screen and just like had to like focus on my phone until i knew that the flashing lights were over um 
which like whenever that happens, which it is a risk with movies, I'm just like, I can't even. And sometimes the movies are good and I'll like deal with that because I want to watch the movie. But when the movie is this bad, because I agree with Alex wholeheartedly, it's just awful. It's like, why am I sitting through all of this and risking that I accidentally look at the screen and get a migraine? <laughs> why? So my last dislike, I guess, would be, it, it goes along, actually, Alex mentioned it already, but the pacing was, it wasn't just the total length of the movie, but just even between scenes, why they chose to suddenly pick up with a scene between Pierce Brosnan and the other workers in the lab, um, or the director, versus over to Job and the father. When they cut back and forth, the overall pacing of it was just an absolute wreck. And the sort of snarky summary that I made and read at the beginning of this for the first act, I, I started thinking about that and coming up with tracking what was going on, because I was just trying to figure out. I didn't look to see what this movie was about ahead of time, really. And so I was trying to figure out what the hell is going on in this. Like, where is this going? What are they doing with this? It 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 seemed like there was almost an entire movie before the movie got started. Yeah. And so by that point, I was like ready to check out even after that first act was done because I was already pissed off at it. And then I find out, oh, wait, no, there's still like all this other stuff to come. That's big problems with pacing. And I think the movie probably didn't start at the point where it needed to. Um, it has way too much backstory, really. Yeah, like, they give us so much of that chimp to begin with that I really thought there were going to be more chimp things in the movie. Yeah. And then, like, no, it's just the chimp dies and that's it. The chimp gets fridged so that uh, so that Job can go on his uh, cyboman journey. Right. I, I, I do want to say on a positive level, I, I love that the chimp was basically like chimp RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> RoboCop, a movie I would much rather watch than Lawnmower Man. The movie could have been much better if it was just the chimp. Uh, yeah. So, uh, has everyone had a terrible dislike? Yep. Okay, is there anything else that we feel has gone unsaid about this movie? Can I stress again how terrible all the religious symbolism was? Yeah, you you spoke a little bit about that earlier. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Because it was just awful. I don't know, man. Like, they like Dr. Angelo gets crucified. Job has all these trials, but then he ascends and basically becomes God. The kid that he wants to save is Peter, so that's a disciple name. It's uh, oh, so terrible. There's a flogging scene because, like, the priest isn't just a little abusive, the priest literally flogs Job in the beginning. I mean, part of the problem is I feel like the writer felt like they were being extremely clever with with all of this. But if nothing else, they couldn't seem to figure out who they actually wanted Jesus to be. That is true. It was metaphorically incoherent, which is also offensive on a writing level. It's totally offensive. It's terrible. And then, like, also to Daniel's point about the pacing, like, the scene where... Dr. Angelo decides to try to escape and he's at a hotel and he's trying to get a rental car and I guess it's supposed to be tense. It is the slowest scene ever. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Dr. Angelo, you forgot your car. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think we're supposed to be worried about the outcome of that, like, what's going to happen. And I'm just like, does nope. anyone care at all at this point <laughs> about what happens to anyone in this movie? 
Oh, okay. So we have to grade this thing. Uh, I'm going to start out by saying that I watched this with Moss, who has watched several torture cinema movies with me. And he was like, this is, this is way worse than other movies you've watched with torture cinema. I mean, am I wrong? No, this is like the worst. It, it is, right? Not, maybe, maybe not the ones that I haven't <laughs> seen, but it's the worst. And I was like, no, you're, you're correct. I hate this. I actively hate this as much as I hate Transformers. That that's that's a deep and abiding hatred. I'm gonna F minus this movie because I think it should just never have been made, and I would like it to go away forever, and I wish I could unsee it. I I, I think that's fair. So what about the rest of you? Okay, I'll go next. Um, so I'm because I uh, did the book this morning for uh, SSF Audio. I've been watching the new. Altered Carbon TV show, which also deals with transhumanism in a completely different way. It also has people in VR, and that has its own issues and own problems. But I had I haven't finished watching that, and jumping into this terrible look at attempt at transhumanism makes me want to watch Altered Carbon all the more because this is really tough. Heck, remember that 2014 movie with Johnny Depp Transcendence, which also had a guy upload into a computer. Anybody? No, no one remembers it. Nope. It was not a good movie, but I would. I only saw pieces of it on a plane because it kept starting and stopping. I would rather watch that than this. There are. This is not the worst torture sipper movie I've ever seen, but it's pretty close to it. There are a few torture cinema movies I would rather watch. That I'd rather not watch than this. So I'm just going to give it a great app. What would you rather watch? What rather not watch than this? Uh yeah, Ernest Saves Christmas would be a would be high on the list of. Uh, I would one hundred percent watch Ernest Saves Christmas again over this. Um, to Mazes and Monsters, the movie, the movie that broke. Me. Okay, yeah, I can't. I, I, I have to rank <laughs> Mazes and Monsters below this. Mazes and Monsters is at least on par with this. I put this on par with the Transformers movies that made me so angry that I incoherently scream on the podcast. I hated this movie from start to finish. And it literally made me so dejected and angry that I I couldn't drink the gin and tonic that I had made to try to soften the experience. I was laughing for a couple of minutes as we're watching Cybo... Cybo uh, man as as uh, as the ape doing his video thing trying to escape escape the uh, facility. Then we we get the night we get the jump cover to Pierce Brosnan waking up thinking it was a dream, but no, he actually really did escape. I like that. And then once we get back into the real world, then especially once uh, Cy- Cybo man is gone and we focus on Job, the entire movie just goes goes to pot really fast. I like that for the that first couple of minutes was okay. But yeah, that's not enough to get it above and out. <sighs> what about you, Alex? Um, I, I'm going to give it an F because there are worse movies that I've seen. Um, I, I, I'll admit I would actually, I'd rather watch Mac and Me. Um, yeah, I, I would actively rather watch Mac and Me again. Yep, okay, yep, me too. I, I would rather, I, I will say, I would rather watch this movie than Krampus the Reckoning again. I listened to your torture wow. cinema on oh. Krampus the Reckoning, and I have oh. to say that oh. did sound awful. 
Oh no, no, it's awful. Oh, <laughs> that sounded that sounded terrible. Well, okay. So to give you an idea of how it went in our house, Moss at the end of this was just like that was like really that was the worst. Like when I think about the cinematic masterpiece that was Zardoz, <laughs> I was like, correct, correct, Moss, correct. Zardoz is absolutely a cinematic masterpiece in comparison to this movie. <laughs> I it was so awful on so many different ways, because um, like all the ableist stuff, all the religious nonsense, all of the oh, it's just, it was so. I I can't honestly say whether I would prefer this or a Transformers movie. They made me so angry, all of them. Okay, Daniel, take us home. What you got? Actually, I'm going to go in the other direction. And I think I'd give it overall a D-. minus. What? How? What? Why? What? What, is, what, what has happened here? I, otherwise, I've only, for Torture Cinema, I've only done Judge Dredd. And so that was, you know, heads and shoulders above this this was like Judge Dredd was so much better. Oh yeah, definitely. But I'm I'm hoping to still do this in the future, and I'm imagining worse things are going to come. And there's also a Lawnmower Man too, <laughs> which I can only imagine <laughs> no. is even much worse. But also realistically, I there were a lot of offensive things about this movie. It was boring, but it wasn't quite as hostily evil as some movies can be. And so I've actually avoided Transformers movies and their their misogynistic uh, tendencies and just ruining Transformers. But this movie wasn't as... It didn't push my buttons quite as much. And so, yeah, I'm going to go with a D-. I'm gobsmacked. Though then again, I, I, I'm on record as giving the highest rating out of all of all the people there to the black hole, which everyone else hated. And that's sort of yeah. a whole little subgenre of people tearing up on people's houses at the tour of mine. I mean, to be fair though, like David had fondness for it and I would absolutely watch the black hole before I would watch this. D minus is not fondness. <laughs> I, I did have the trouble with the black hole of the migraine trigger thing. So that was, oh. that was a legit problem for me. But, like, The Black Hole had nice music. It had Sir KitchenAid, which was really bizarre and uh, at least campy. <laughs> like, there are things about The Black Hole that I actually liked. I cannot actually say that about this movie other than The Sound of Shoes and that it reminded me of being in a bad play. <laughs> the RoboCop chimp. RoboChimp. I wanted to like that chimp more than I did. He, he was just gone too soon. So, so yes. Yeah, so, okay. So, Paul, you gave this an F. Daniel, you're going D minus. Alex, what are you finally going to come down on, F or F minus? Having now sat and thought about it a little <laughs> more and how much I hated this movie, I'm actually going to downgrade it to an F minus. Okay. Counteract mine. And I'm going to stick <laughs> yeah. with my F minus, which leaves us at a solid F for this. That leaves us a solid F. I was, I was trying to do the math. Yep. That's easy. Otherwise, you would have gotten an F plus if if not for that, Alex. Yeah, and I, that would have just been terrible. I don't know how I would have gone on knowing that this movie got an F plus <laughs> from all of us. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, Daniel. It's okay, Daniel. Your your opinion is your opinion. All opinions are valid. <laughs> but I'm wrong. <laughs> this movie is terrible, and that is my opinion. <laughs> so a solid F. No one should ever have to watch this. Please, listeners, don't watch this. Whoever suggested this on Patreon, because I know one <laughs> of our, our Patreon supporters 
was responsible for this being on our list. (laughs) I want you to know that I mean this in the nicest possible way. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, I believe we are finished here. Thank God. Thank you, all of my stalwart comrades, for living through this horrible ordeal with me. And until next time, listeners, see you later. See you in VR land. Thank you for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at our email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com, on Twitter at skiffyandfanty, and on Facebook at the Skiffy and Fanty Show. Our intro and outro music comes from Dimension by Creo. You can find out more about them at freemusicarchive.org. 